Welcome into another episode of the News for Jags podcast. Uh, not the start to the year that anybody wanted, but the Jaguars do have another game, so it is another chance to get their first win of the year. As always, Jamal St. Cyr here with Justin Barney. Uh, Justin, uh, 0-2 start to the year? Not what we thought, you know. No. <laughs> when we saw the schedule, it was at least a 1-1 start, and I think that optimism from Trevor and Own It and the new stadium, you know, the I mean, all the talk of the new facilities coming really kind of clouded the fact that this is a young team that's not quite there yet. No, they're clearly not there. I think after the loss, all I could think was 0-2, own it, own it. Now, now, how do they right the ship? That That is the question mark moving forward. Sunday's game against the Broncos was... A little bit of a roller coaster, but it was just a very quick roller coaster. There was like the high at the beginning. Ooh, Trevor Lawrence takes the field. Everybody's excited. That first drive that was something. First drive. It, oh. I mean, they go, they script the plays. They go right down the field, go for a touchdown, and then that's where the downhill of that roller coaster from the that's, rest of the way. Yeah, that was the you know the 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 drive up the track was that first drive of the game and. It just after that, it just never ending loop, 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 and 189 total yards for the Jaguars, and I mean, what 83 came on that opening drive, unbelievable. Yeah, it it, it was a bad day for Trevor all around. I mean, he had 70 plus passing yards at the end of the first drive, and didn't get many for the rest of the game. Uh, but that first drive was a glimpse of what we hope are a lot more good things that will be in the future for Trevor Lawrence, that Jaguars, and specifically the Jaguars offense. But somehow. Uh, with their lack of adjustments for the next, I mean, three and a half quarters. How do you explain that? I mean, is it is it a young coaching staff that's still trying to find its niche together? Is it just not having the guys in the right places? Are they overwhelmed? Are they that bad on personnel? What is the reasoning right now for the struggles and the inability to adapt? You know, I'm willing to give Joe Cullen a pass because this is only his second game as a coordinator, and I saw progression from the defense. Yeah, defense did play better. Daryl Bevel has been an NFL offensive coordinator for too long for an offense to be. Marvin Jones at the end of the game just described it as in a lull, and they were in a lull for, like, the whole game. I mean, they lulled all of the Jaguars fans to sleep, basically. Uh, no, I, I am not sure what is going on with this Daryl Bevel offense. He has shown a propensity to not want to hand the ball off and run the rock and he's also shown a propensity to be to lack creativity on the offense and he's not putting his guys in any sort of great position to be successful the only thing that I can think is that so much either they don't like James Robinson which is possible which is possible or so much of the offense was just predicated on using Travis Etienne as a decoy and using his speed to set other things up that they just lost every bit of creative juice and lost all of that in their playbook when he, with his injury and if the they were putting that much weight into a rookie that never stepped foot on the NFL field besides their quarterback, I got a whole set of other issues with that. Yeah, I, I don't understand the inability to adapt. You know, Urban said after the game that, you know, once you fall behind in the game, you, you tend to um, transition into having to play catch-up. But this game wasn't the Texans game. This game was not that far out of reach to completely scuttle the running game for the second straight week. Okay, against the Texans, I understand you're down significantly. You're going to lose by three touchdowns. You've got to generate something. But this game almost felt like they abandoned the run when they were down 10 to 7 or 17 7. It just it it was so quick that you give up on that run when you're down 10 points in a game that's very very winnable. 
I mean, I flat out asked him after the game if he felt like that he got out coached, and he he almost looked at me like, you know, you're asking me this. Um, he said he didn't want to throw anybody under the bus, and that it, it's always an us problem that we have to fix it. Um, but I feel like they were out coached specifically on the offensive side of the ball, plain and simple. The Broncos made slight adjustments after that first drive, and it was like the Jaguars had. No answer. Now, I will give them credit. If Josh Lambeau nails those two field goals, it's a little bit of a different game, but not very much. The offense was not doing things. The defense, on the other hand, though, I saw major progression, positive steps there from that defensive side of the ball. Not perfect, but positive steps. You're holding, you know, you held them to three field goals, and that's promise right there. I mean, when you give up a couple touchdowns, okay. But those other drives end in nine points. That's a win to me. That's a if you're holding a team to 23 points, that is a very winnable game in the NFL. You almost look at your yourself and say, "How did you lose that game?" Yeah. And I, I just don't. I don't know. I mean, we've seen Meyer and Bevel five games so far: three in the preseason, two in the regular season, and in four of those, they've been completely outmatched, outcoached. Don't know what they're doing. I mean, the lone exception was the Dallas game and then the first drive of last game where they, they've looked like an actual functioning NFL offense, and they've not looked like it for basically four games. I mean, slight, uh, more than four games. I'm starting to look at it as Urban Meyer is in a little bit over his head. He never wanted to admit that he, he – he admitted at times that he was learning, but I don't think he had grasped just how much he had to learn. And one of the things that, that brings me to that conclusion – is the defense. We saw some positive strides from the defense, but C.J. Henderson gets hurt with a hip injury, leaves the game, and they're in a position where Clay Brooks is in at cornerback, and he is beaten repeatedly like a drum. And there's no reason that they should have been put in that situation where he's their primary backup on the edge. They didn't need to trade Sidney Jones before the season. You had a backup who could start on the outside at corner, but you moved him because you felt like, oh, we're okay at this position and we want to keep this guy. The NFL, injuries happen. And you're only as good as your weakest link. And, they, you know, the, the classic saying is next man up. Well, in the case where the next man up is a guy that has all the potential in the world. But he's not ready. But he's not ready. And you needed to coach him. Clay Brooks is a guy that perfect for the practice squad, perfect for the end of the bench. He can play special teams. But if you're in a situation like Sunday where he's playing meaningful snaps at cornerback, he's not ready. He was a seventh-round pick. He was picked to be a kickoff returner. And the last coaching staff found him and said, oh, he actually can play corner pretty okay. You can't lean on that guy right now. He's not there yet. And they put themselves in this position. Um, the defense did take positive strides, and even with Clay Brooks in there, who played admirably, but they're going to need better play from those sorts of players. Yeah, and Trey, you got Trey Herndon coming back this week. That's a plus. Is but, it? But you know, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd rather have him in there than than Chris Clay, Clay Brooks. That's true. Um, so it's uh, the lesser of two evils there. Um, C.J. Henderson, we don't know his status, so it's kind of you, you give and take a little bit on that back end. And we're going to be without Chenault. Which I know a lot of people are, are saying, well, that's one less drop that he can have because he did have a few dropped passes during Sunday's game. Yeah, he he left something out there in the field. And, you know, Meyer said yesterday or on Monday that he, um, you know, possibly could play this week. Um, Trey would be back this week. Um, so the injuries are a little bit concerning right now because you're substituting that depth for guys like 
Chris Claybrooks. Are we going to see more from uh, Tyron Johnson this week, Devin Smith, I mean, with uh, if LaVisca can't go? So um, you're getting to that point where these injuries are really starting to, to take a little bit of a bite out of uh, productive players. Right. And, you know, there, there's not a lot of positives to take from the loss to the, from, to the Broncos, but the biggest thing that I took away was – the offensive line did not fail Trevor. Yeah, Trevor very. had time. He was kept clean. Jawan Taylor, Cam Robinson, hats off to both of those guys because, you know, we always like to put a target on their backs and, oh, they got to improve their play. The offensive line they showed did. up. They did play better, much better last week. And Meyer singled them out uh, on Monday at his press conference saying they played well enough for them to win. Yes. And um, when your rookie quarterback is back there and you're keeping him upright, I think he got hit a couple times. He got hit one nasty time uh, where they drew a uh, late hit on the quarterback and you're, you're grimacing and holding your breath that it wasn't as bad as it looked, and it wasn't, thankfully. Um, but he was sacked one time, and I thought Trevor pretty much – played or had a clean pocket most of the game and that was what was so disappointing um, to see those throws say sail high to see a, a poor decision on an interception um, I, I don't know what Denver was doing to, to really confuse uh, Trevor back there but I don't think it was anything to do with that offensive line I think the offensive line probably uh, their best game um, of the you know, the regular season, certainly, uh, but even in the preseason with the, the replacements in there. We're dating back to last year. This is their best game in a while. I mean, really hats off to those guys. I think the problem for Trevor was that the receivers were not creating the separation that Yeah, we thought the happen. receivers were going to be that position of strength, and right. it's not it's developed not. into that. The only guy that uh, that right now I know can trust is Marvin Jones. And his game isn't predicated on separation. It's all right, I'm going to be I'll, – I'll get this guy in a phone booth. If I'm one-on-one, Jones is going to go up and make a play. Uh, the guy that I've been the most disappointed with is DJ Chark. Got to be DJ Chark. Uh, you know, he's a guy in a contract year that we were expecting huge things from, and it just hasn't materialized yet. I'm disappointed in Chenault. I still think that there's a chance that uh, – he could could put it all together and be, be a great player. But right now, those receivers aren't doing Trevor any favors. I mean, there was one point during the game when they started taking those deep shots, and Trevor would drop back, he'd see his guy one-on-one, and he would throw it before his guy's open, saying, all right, my guy's going to go and win this route. And the only and guy I think I feel comfortable with, as you said it, Marvin Jones. I mean, if he's throwing the ball deep, the only guy I have a, uh, any kind of faith in, catching the ball, getting the ball – putting a move on his receiver or, or fighting through and winning that jump ball is Marvin Jones right now. I don't see any other guys. We haven't seen Tyron Johnson. Um, certainly nothing from tight ends uh, that make you you say they could um, you know win a position battle. Now, actually, I think the loss to O'Shaughnessy is one that, that's going to be felt for, for a number of reasons. Because, I mean, he, he left the game really early, and they replaced him with Luke Farrell. Luke Farrell isn't a, isn't a receiver. No. 34 catches in four years of college. If you want to do the math on that, it ain't a lot per year. Uh, and Chris Manhurts is a guy that's just learning how to play in the NFL. He's never been a great receiver in his NFL career. He's been around for a while. O'Shaughnessy, on the other hand, had that big catch on the first drive, and then he goes out with the injury, and they're, they're in the passing game. Now, in week one, O'Shaughnessy was one of the top guys in the NFL for creating separation. He was creating like five yards of separation per route. 
I do think that's a blow to the passing game, specifically because he was the only he's the only guy. he was the only guy that was had any sort of pass catching chops in that room. I mean, we're starting to talk about like Hollister. Can he learn the playbook, go out there and be some sort of receiving threat at tight end at this point? So if if O'Shaughnessy it can't go, he might be the biggest injury uh, have the biggest effect on out of any of the guys that have possible injury question marks. Agree, and when that tight end position is already so lean, and by, yeah. by lean. Uh, terrible would be a better word for it. It's not. It's the worst position group I think in the NFL. Um, it, you have no receiving threats down there. It's a position they look to upgrade, did not upgrade, and really the hope now is a that James O'Shaughnessy, their top receiving threat, isn't out as long as uh, as he's projected to be, or b Jacob Hollister becomes a guy who can step in and uh, be an upgrade over everything else that's there right now. Yeah, so we'll have to see how that whole thing shakes out. But I think that that O'Shaughnessy injury is one that's going to be uh, very impactful if he can't go. And, you know, at this point, he's a guy you almost have to wrap in bubble wrap. I mean, he got hurt in training camp. He has a a long history of injuries, and now he's hurt with other question marks. You can't – that should have been their first sign. Okay, we have to bring in someone because we can't hitch our wagon to this guy because the best ability is availability, and he tends to lack that. You know what Jaguars fans will say, though? What's that? They did have – an heir apparent on the roster hey. in training camp, <laughs> and he's free right now, working for the SEC Network. That's right. So. Hey, he already knows the playbook. Bring him on back. We'll see what he's got. Um, all right. So let, I guess let's move on to, to this week's game. This week we're taking on the Arizona Cardinals, second home game of the year. So you do at least have that in your back pocket that they have to come here to Duval. The Cardinals two and zero to start the year. Kyler Murray last week, 400 yards passing, three touchdowns. Uh, He's an early MVP candidate with the way he's playing. And he's not the one that I'm even the most worried about. Chandler Jones in week one. Five sacks. Five sacks. He single-handedly beat the Titans. I mean, and he's packing his bags and coming on down here to Duval. And Cam Robinson and Juwan Taylor, again, hats off to those guys for last week. But, uh, you know, the NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. So, uh, guys, I hope you got another game like that. And it's it's good for them to have had that effort. You saw Von Miller last week. You saw uh, uh, hobbled Bradley Chubb. Uh, But you played well. You're coming off your best game of the season as an offensive line unit. Um, So that's good. And they need to see this kind of pressure. I mean, Jawan Taylor, and I mean the the jury's still out on him. Obviously, Cam Robinson franchise tag. What's I mean, is he here beyond this year? I mean, we need to see something out of these guys beyond more than one game, and this is a good challenge. And uh, for that defensive secondary, I mean, build on, keep the ball in front of you. Um, you know, Kyler Murray's going to come out throwing 400 last week. Um, that's a challenge. But again, they played well last week against a very um, I, I wouldn't call Bridgewater a, a generational quarterback, but he is a he's an above average quarterback, um, and they kept they kept him out of the end zone for the most part. I mean, we gave up you know, they gave up two, but um, I thought Jacksonville's defense played far better than they did against the Texans. Right, and and they'll have to continue to build upon that. And again, Joe Cullen in his first NFL season as a defensive coordinator, Shaq Griffin even said that he went and talked to Joe Cullen after the game and told him how how different his play calls were from week one to week two and how impressed he was with them. He really wanted to let Joe know that he appreciated the positions that he was putting players in this week. So we'll see. He can continue to build on that. He, I have a reason to believe that this defense will continue to progress 
progress. There's a lot of young players. Again, Joe is getting his fur, his feet wet calling plays in an in NFL game, and it's different when you have to be the guy that has to, to call that play, call that coverage, and figure it out. And so now he's figuring it out. He's going to have his hands full this week. Again, Kyler Murray, not just a threat to do it with his arm, but a guy who can run around and make some plays. And he's got some guys to throw the ball to, particularly one that I was hoping was going to be calling Jacksonville home. I really wanted them to pick Rondale Moore out of Purdue in the draft. I mean, and this is a guy that is dynamic in every sense of the word and is has started making plays for the Cardinals already. So the Jaguars defense is going to have to find somebody who can stick with this dude. Yes. <laughs> who is it? I mean, the, the secondary, we've, we've been chipped up in that secondary. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, hopefully CJ can play this week. Um, I just hope there's, I hope there's growth from last week, uh, week two to week three. Um, saw so much improvement from, from the Texans to, uh, to last week in, on that defensive side of the ball. So let's hope there's a next step in that, even though you're going to have some guys banged up, Trey Herndon coming back. Um, let's not Josh, drop Josh Allen back to, to cover receivers um, as much as uh, possible. He's got two sacks. Get that pressure on Kyler Murray. Stop dropping guys into uh, covers and put some pressure on Kyler. I think every down. And I know he likes to drop Josh um, to to mix it up a little bit, but Josh has one job. He's your best Gets pass rusher, to the quarterback. and he should have his ears pinned back on every play. It should move him around and figure out where he's rushing yeah, from. He's he's the only pass rushing threat. That's it. You know, I know there was two, a, a very very uh, smoke screen, uh, two sacks on one drive last week, um, but those aren't coming from your pass rushers. No. Uh, safety blitzes and, and stuff. So, I mean, corner blitzes and uh, mixing it up, great to do that. But you want to see Josh Allen get into that quarterback. You want to see that defensive, fr- defensive front apply some pressure, and we just don't have that. And when you have that from Josh Allen, don't take that away. Keep yeah. sending meth quarterback. And let's stick on that defensive side of the ball. Last week I was a little critical of Roy Robertson-Harris. This week I was actually very impressed with his play. Um, I thought he was one of the, the the standout defenders there. He was active in the run game, getting a little bit of push in the pass rush. We can see him you know, finish a few plays. That'd be great. Um, but one place where there could be some change coming is at that Mike linebacker spot. Damian Wilson uh, didn't not, have a great game. Not, not a good game. But Shaq Quarterman replaced him and played uh, – nearly is the same amount of spe- uh, snaps as Wilson. So we, we'll see how Cullen feels about that Mike linebacker spot. Now, again, Cullen, a guy, grew up right here in the 904, went to Oak Leaf High School, uh, has talked at length about growing up watching the Jaguars. So I think standing on that field at the bank in that Jaguars uniform means just a little bit more to him than anybody else on that roster. So definitely a guy I'm rooting for. If he gets his shot, I have a feeling Shaq's going to go make a play. Yeah, I covered Shaq in high school. <laughs> and he was a phenomenal athlete back then. We saw what he did uh, at Miami and um, has continued that in the NFL. When he's had the chances, he's had a good training camp. Um, He's a thumper. And, uh, you know, I know they got rid of Joe Schobert, but Damian Wilson just through two games to me has not been the answer at that position. Yeah, and it's looking like Shaq is at least nearing up an opportunity. Uh, they thought about it during the, enough during the last game to pull Wilson and put him in late in the game. So we'll see if that carries over into the next week. Uh, you know, late game and, and starting a game are very different situations. But it, it, they are high on Shaq Quarterman, and they've talked at length about wanting to get him involved on the defense. So maybe this is the crack in the door, and and maybe he can inject the the turnover juice into 
that defensive Man, unit no that turnovers. they need. Again. It, well, you know, Shaq, uh, uh, Shaq Griffin's almost had one two games oh. in a row. I mean, just if he would have brought in that pick. Oh, that would have been what on. A, what a great play. That was the all-effort play of the year. I mean, he was beaten, comes back, tips it up, and almost gets it on the ground. He, he said after the game he doesn't know what he did to the football. He's going to have to take the football home and, <laughs> and lay it in bed and talk to it a little bit because it's just not bouncing his way right now. But, you know, that's how turnovers kind of go. They, they either bounce your way or they don't. I mean, in that first game against the Texans, that. They call it was a forward pass, and the referees did get the call right. But there are situations where they don't get that call right, and it, it, they give it to the defense. So, uh, just again, situations where the defense, the ball hasn't bounced their way. Uh, maybe this week, all of a sudden, it can start rolling in the right direction, and those turnovers will start coming. You can get to the turnover well. We'll see who can get that done. Maybe it's Shaquille Griffin. Maybe it's um, maybe it's Rayshon Jenkins. He's a guy who's been around the ball a lot in his career as well, and. So uh, one of those two guys, I think, really needs to make a play for that defense. And uh, getting a guy like Josh Allen pass rushing consistently is, even if he's not getting home, the threat of it makes the, the pressure there. Account he's, for his it. presence is yeah. there, and I think that's what they need to do. I mean, uh, sending Andrew Wingard in on a on a safety blitz, okay, it's fine, but we want to see Josh Allen doing that. Yeah. We want to see Caleb on doing that. You send your pass rushers there. Um, you know, Chandler Jones, five sacks in week one. And you need that kind of, uh, that, just that presence on the defensive line that shows Kyler Murray and uh, the Cardinals that, hey, we're going to keep coming after you and, and not drop our best pass rusher into coverage consistently. Right. And it looked like a little bit chase on it kind of fallen a little bit down the rotation. And maybe this was game plan specific because Smoot is a little bit better of a run defender at this point than Chase on is, but Smoot definitely getting a little bit more run, especially early run than Chase on did. Yeah, and I, it's still the uh, the early returns on Chase on after uh, what's eighteen games now. Ooh. Not not impressed. No, no, he has all the athletic ability in the world. He just has to put it together. And I, I was joking the other day. I said his nickname is Swiper. And, you know, if you've ever watched Dora, Swiper always gets very close to taking things from Dora, but never quite converts. And I said, oh, this is actually the perfect nickname for him. He's always close. He's the king of the pressures. I mean, if you look at those advanced stats, he's got all kinds of pressures, almost sacks. He's all, almost always really close, but he never quite gets Never there. finishes. And that Tyrod Taylor play in week one, perfect example of close but uh, not able to finish. Just ran right by Tyrod. All right, let's flip to the other side of the ball. The Jaguars' offense – we already kind of dabbled in talking about Chandler Jones. There's another guy that they're pretty familiar with that's on that side of the ball, J.J. Watt now in Arizona. So uh, the the Cardinals have a pretty formidable duo there, and then they've got a really good safety in Buda Baker that uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to want to know where he's at on every play. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think as we saw last week, Trevor's making those rookie mistakes, following receivers with his eyes, and a guy – like Buda Baker is going to be able to track him down again if he's doing that. So I think Trevor, uh, the thing with Trevor is he's going to get better week after week. And um, I don't think he's going to continue to make the same mistake twice. I think he's going to get better. And, um, you know, I think if that offensive line can hold those guys at bay and give Trevor time and let him settle in, we're going to see hopefully what we saw in that first drive last week. And, you know, Urban Meyer said that Trevor last week played like he did on that first drive throughout practice. And that's why they were so excited heading into that game is because Trevor was he was just clicking. And what you saw in that first drive this past week was what Trevor looked like in practice. So give him time, 
give him comfortability in that pocket, and he's going to make plays. And um, I think it's good for them to see a pass rusher like Chandler Jones, like a J.J. Watt, even though he's not the same as he was with the Texans. Um, it's good for them to see them early in their career in a, in a high-powered defense right now, too, for the Cardinals. And, you know, uh, it's strange that he was just clicking for that first drive, and I asked him after the game if he was just more comfortable with those scripted plays, knowing what they were ahead of time, and those were his comfort items of sorts. Um, he, he did mention that, you know, on those third downs you go off script, but that, that first drive just seemed different. It was like they were giving him easy reads, they were putting him in a place to succeed, and then after, the, after that they had no idea how to give him any sort of Something easy Something broke throws. after that. It I don't know. Broke. It just it just it was not there. I don't. And that's when we get back to what happened after that first drive where you're not able to parse that again the rest of the game. I mean, they had Denver backpedaling out of sorts, out of rhythm. He had a 24 and a 25-yard throw in that first drive. Um, that beautiful catch in, to Marvin in the end zone where Marvin got great separation at the end. Trevor put the ball right out where he could get it. Um, so what happened after that? I mean, you can't tell me the defense changed so much from that first drive to everyone after that Jacksonville just had no answer for it, but that's certainly what it looked like. They made some slight tweaks, and they started playing the deep ball a little bit more and, and weren't worrying about the under underneath stuff, and that's one of the things that Trevor really needs to work on is you know, take that 10-yard, take that 15-yard gain. And we've heard guys like Jameis Winston really talk about, you know, every play doesn't have to be a home run when you're in the NFL, and it took a while for him to get used to that. And coming Trevor, from Jameis, that's, uh, that's saying something. Yeah, you know, it, Trevor needs to get used to that now. I mean, there were times where he was taking those shots down the field, and he, I, I was in the press box when I'm like, he's got two guys open 10 yards down the field just by themselves. And, and it, it was nice to see Trevor take off and run, too. Yeah. So I think the more – comfortable he gets the more he gets into that where everything doesn't have to be you look in the week one against the Texans and he's just airing it out same thing last week he's just taking shots down field where there's no chance at a completion when you've got a seven or eight yard pass check down and you had it all day long so um, tuck and run I think we're going to see Trevor taking a little bit more chances on the go and I think he's going to have to learn to to get rid of that ball to dump it off to, to take that short, safe pass from time to time. And they, they have to put him in position to be able to use his legs, to have these easy reads. I'd like to see Bevel start to move the pocket around. Like we, Trevor runs very well for a guy that's a pocket passer. He, he's an athlete. He's not Lamar Jackson, but he can move. And I'd like to see Bevel, you know, move that pocket. He's coached Russell Wilson. Call some of those same plays. Let him get outside. Uh, either a short throw right there to the running back or tight end that's in front of him or uh, another read that's up the field a little bit. Do that a little bit more. If that's covered, Trevor can use his legs, get two, three yards, go right out of bounds. And just slowly give him options, give him some easy reads, and let's let him get more and more comfortable before you have him making those difficult reads for probably throws. Probably a little skittish after week one and all the passes that right. his receivers dropped. Yeah, I mean, and, and – it just doesn't help. Right now, he doesn't have that A1 guy. Everyone expected it to be DJ Chark, and we were like, okay, with DJ Chark here, if he gets back to that, what, 2019 form of DJ, where, all right, this is your go-to guy, Trevor, and then you bring in Marvin Jones, and everybody's like, well, Marvin Jones was great in Detroit, and he's been great since he's been here. So it was like, okay, we've got one and two, and then Chenault comes in as your third with all of this potential and talent It's a great trio where they could be a trio that, I mean, is in the conversation for one of the best trios in the league, possibly, if they all played up to what they needed to. But it's not. Just haven't seen it yet. No, it's not. It's not coming together like that. 
we're wondering where DJ Chark has been. What's going on? Is there something else besides just the hand injury that we don't know about? Because he just doesn't look as sharp as he did in years past. Yeah, 2019 was that DJ Chark that we needed to see. And it's, it's what Urban Meyer wanted to see. He challenged him early in camp. DJ needs to be out there feasting on defensive backs, and we've just not seen that. He had the touchdown catch in week one, but um, it just it's been disappointing for DJ Chark. Probably offensively, it's probably the biggest disappointment so far is that uh, that inability. You know, coming into the regular season, I thought receiver was that position of strength, right. and we've seen Marvin Jones, but that's about all we've seen. Yeah, and you know, the, the other thing about it is, for me, uh, my frustration with Daryl Bevel just continues because with your receivers struggling, with your young quarterback struggling, it seems like common sense of where you go to. You have this quiet storm just in the backfield not getting the ball. I mean, it, it's all right. Well, my wide receivers aren't getting open like I want to. I don't have a tight end I can turn to. Uh, my I have a rookie quarterback, and I can't let him go out there and throw the ball 50 times. Oh, wait a minute. Let's hand the rock off. And he's not doing that. I mean, James Robinson got 11 carries on Sunday. And, and the five week before to four. That, five. Five. Unbelievable. I mean, it's like they have no intention of feeding this guy. And I understand, all right, week one, you fell behind. All right, and then this one, you you were in this game all the way to the end. That that exactly, they could have fed James Robinson and really let him churn out some yards. And I understand that the running game wasn't necessarily flowing very well, and the offensive line, while they were pass blocking great, wasn't run blocking as great as as well as we've seen them do in other matchups. But still, you've got to feed that guy because if you feed that guy, then maybe that sucks up the safeties a little bit, that play action works a little bit better. That makes Trevor's life easier, and maybe that makes your receiver's life easier now. Uh, you, you've they're not leaning into this like they've always like Urban Myers talked at length throughout the offseason. Oh, a young quarterback's the best friend. It's a, a running, running back. Game. Yeah, where uh, and where's or, that or, mentality? Exactly. It's like they lost it. Week one came and they were like, ah, let's just let th- Trevor throw it fifty times. Like that was just all smoke they were feeding us. And it's like, oh well, no, that's common sense for everybody that's been around the NFL, that's watched the NFL. I mean, it's the reason why. Uh, Aaron Rodgers loves having those running backs behind him like like Aaron Jones because they can have that game and take the pressure off of him. And you just have not seen it. And, again, I think it goes back to coaching. You're, you're abandoning your run. Last week, I, I don't understand why you go away from the run. We talked about this at the beginning of the podcast. You don't – you don't go away from the in a, in, a, in a one possession game most of the game. I don't understand that. It's indefensible that through two games, thousand yard back, James Robinson has sixteen carries. Yeah. Sixteen carries that, with a rookie quarterback. It just does not make sense to me. That's bad coaching, and that's something you have to address. I know Meyer said uh, after week one, we got to get we got to run the ball better. Well. Week two has come and gone, and you're still saying that same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got to run the ball better. And a 23-13 game, it's inexcusable that James Robinson had 11 carries in this game. Just inexcusable. Yeah, they've got to fix that. Well, for all the doom and gloom there's been, it's not over yet. In the AFC South, only two teams have wins. The Titans are 1-1, the Texans are 1-1. So the Jaguars and Colts both still searching for that win. All right, what do the Jaguars have to do to find a way to get that win this week against the Cardinals? I think they've got to run the ball. I think they have to to run James Robinson 25 times this game and uh, let the chips fall where they may. Take some pressure off Trevor. Um, play the defense you played against the, the Broncos. Um, pray that Josh Lambeau can put something 
through the uprights and not out uh, in the parking lot at TIA Bank. Um, and you get back to the football that made you, you know, made you a good coach, Urban. I mean, run the ball, let things come to you, and um, you know, don't forget the guy in the backfield. In a one-possession game, um, you're not down three scores uh, like you were against the Texans. Don't abandon the run. Get James Robinson involved in the passing game. 100% agree with that. And I think the other side of the ball, the point I wanted to hit was Kyler Murray. You have to make him the sloppy Kyler Murray. I mean, for all the highlight reel plays that he's had this this so far this season, he's also thrown three interceptions. So turnovers are there. The defense needs to find those turnovers, get the ball. And I don't let Kyler Murray have those big plays that he likes, which is going to be tough with that Cardinals offense because he's not the only guy that can make those. Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore both are big plays at any point from anywhere on the field. So the defense can't give up those big plays and has to find those turnovers. Get to the turnover well and get a couple of those interceptions. That can really energize the team, energize the offense. A short field would be helpful as they run the ball with James Robinson trying to get some points. Yeah, and, you know, another thing – I continue to see people saying Trevor Lawrence is overrated. Trevor Lawrence is a bust. It's unbelievable. Two games into his rookie season. So I went back this week and I looked, what did Peyton Manning do his first two games? Okay, Trevor Lawrence through two games, 42 of 84 passing, 450 yards, four TDs, five picks. Peyton Manning's first two games, 42 of 70, 490 yards, two touchdowns, and six picks. So, okay, I'm not saying Trevor's going to be Peyton Manning, but Things take time. As much of a pedigree as Peyton Manning had entering the league, he played on a terrible team, much like Trevor does, and they struggled. They went 3-13 and in Peyton's first year. Second year, he was 13-3. and um, So, fans, you got to give Trevor some time. You've got to – I mean, as good as Peyton Manning was, it took time for him to get uh, to that point. So, again, not saying he's going to be Peyton Manning, but – as good as Peyton Manning was, it took time to develop. You know, that generational term that's gotten thrown around and been connected to Trevor for so long, I think everyone was looking at it saying, okay, we're going to have immediate results. And then when he's out there having, well, rookie quarterback struggles, you know, uh, that's where people are like, oh, no, maybe everybody was wrong and we, we suck again. And, uh, you know, we're back to square one. We don't even have the quarterback we thought we had and Urban's going to leave us and it's going to be doom and gloom in Jacksonville. And that's not the case. Uh, Trevor just needs time. It, clearly, the, the, the team won one game a year ago. There's a talent deficiency on the roster no matter what anybody wants to tell you, and it's going to take time for them to fill that in. Um, a part of me, and I, I've kind of come – to this conclusion that I know Urban has talked at length about this not, this not being a, a long-term rebuild. This was a short rebuild. But if you look at the way they've actually done this rebuild, which is running back almost the identical roster from a year ago, except for on offense, it's what Marvin Jones and Trevor Lawrence. On defense, there are some new faces, but the only real impact guys are like Rayshon Jenkins and Shaquille Griffin. And they still have a ton of cap room. They didn't go out and really throw that money around like other teams did. They, they wanted to to see the talent that they had. I think this year for him was more about, all right, they have a, a lot of high-pedigree guys on this roster, Taven Bryan, Josh Allen, C.J. Henderson. Let me see them firsthand. Let me evaluate them firsthand. I know the play calls. I know the situations we're putting them in. Can they be successful in the NFL on an on a Urban Meyer coach team rather than, all right, 
come in, let's revamp this whole thing, throw everything at the wall, get all these guys out of here and bring in my guys, because he at that point he'd be giving up on a lot of these younger players. Um, I do think that at the end of uh, – once this year of evaluation is, is done, this offseason with the money that they have remaining, we will see a more drastic changing of the guards of sorts – um, because again, this was this seems like it was more of a year of evaluation. Let's let's not put all of our our eggs in one basket. Let's let Trevor get a year under his belt. Uh, there's enough talent on this roster that we're not going to get the kid killed. But let's see who can play, who can't. Let's see if we can help coach some of these guys up and who who's hopeless that we should ship out. I I'm starting to believe in and really looking at the resume that Urban Meyer and Trent Bulky have put together since they took charge that that is the plan for this season it wasn't to go out take the nfl by storm make trevor lawrence the rookie of the year it was let's reevaluate let's look at these high pedigree guys let's not give up on them and let's see if we can put them in a position to be successful and if we can't let's make sure we have enough money that we have brought in guys that can change the culture so start to lay the foundation for that. And then next offseason, we see who can play, who can't. We kick out the guys that can't play, and let's bring in more culture setters, and let's really turn up the gas. Yeah, it makes sense. And um, I think that's why you know people, fans, even myself included, saw all that free agency money that Jacksonville had, number one in the league, all the cap space. And you thought, where are they going to spend this at? It's um, you know, kid in a candy shop mentality. And they took the opposite approach. They got uh, mid-range free agents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, plug-and-play guys, not really extremely expensive. They didn't uh, blow the bank on tight ends like New England did. Um, they didn't get those high-dollar guy, high guys because they did not see this as um, this quick fix. They see this as progression and time, and um, there was enough of, of a skeleton on this roster um, that good pieces were in place. There were good bones um, to this franchise. Does it mean all these guys are going to be back next year? I don't no. think so at all. I think it's going to be a, a drastically different-looking roster next year after um, after Urban and Trent get done with things, and maybe you spend more next year in free agency. But um, I do think this was an, an audition year, um, kind of like you said, as far as uh, seeing what this roster was about, uh, letting Trevor grow. Um, and and really kind of letting the chips fall where they may um, from a lot of the guys on this team. All right, that's your big picture. Don't panic button. Don't panic. Uh, There you go. Don't panic. It's not over. There is a plan in place of sorts. All right, small picture this week. What do you think? Jaguars get a win, or what are we looking at? I'm going to say Cardinals 24-16. 24-16, all right. Uh, I'm going to go Cardinals 32, Jaguars 20. Uh, So I think both of us are picking the Jaguars to lose, which would drop them to 0-3 for the year. Uh, Not the start that Urban Meyer wanted, and definitely not the start that Trevor Lawrence wanted. That'd be more losses in the first three weeks of his NFL career than he's had in his entire life. Um, So we'll have to see how they really handle that moving forward. Um, As always, thanks for listening in to the News for Jags podcast, and we'll see you here next week.